in Southeast Agnet's Ag in Review for the week ending April 29th. For those who love Vidalia onions, you'll be glad to know the 2016 crop is now available because this past Monday was the official pack date, according to Georgia Commissioner of Agriculture Gary Black. Before the rule was ever published, there was about 18 months of working with growers, working with different interest groups down in the growing region, taking input from retailers, taking input from consumers. And we just felt like this was the, you know, the soundest proposal to try to address it. Now, we have a great opportunity within the rule for flexibility. And we considered that this year. The heat units have been a little higher this year throughout the growing season. We considered actually adjusting the date because of the flexibility within the rule to do so. But still the input from the majority of growers was we need to stick to the rules, stick to the date that we've got this year. And so I think this rule is a great example of cooperation between our department and between growers and retailers and consumers. And so hopefully we're going to believe that these type of collaborations are going to set the business up well for 2016 and future years. And he reminds consumers that if it says Vidalia, you'll know it's the original sweet onion only from Georgia. In order to ensure the integrity of that trademark, which the state of Georgia owns, and we're charged to defending that, making sure that consumers have the best chance of being satisfied and that farmers have the best chance of you know, hitting the market with a sound product. That's why all this came together with their support and the input from retailers as well. Black says consumers can now find Georgia Sweet Vidalia onions in their local grocery store or farmer's markets across the country through mid-September. It's nice when, when we have the opportunity to speak up on behalf of the sweetest onion on this planet, proven time and time and time again. And certainly we're going to be very aggressive all across the country to make sure that consumers everywhere have a, an opportunity to have this in their uh, family's meal planning over the course of this season. Well, we've spent the past few weeks talking about the Beef Quality Assurance Program, or BQA, and why cattle producers should become certified. Chase DeCoit, Associate Director of Beef Quality Assurance for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, says one big reason is the consumer. Consumers today are more interested than they've ever been in their food supply, and they're actually taking a deep interest in looking into that. And companies that that serve a lot of beef are are also interested in sharing that story and putting it out there, uh, you know, so that people have confidence in what they're eating. They want to know more than that it's safe. Um, We've done such a great job as an industry in reassuring folks of that, that now they are taking a deeper dive and more interested into how it's produced and the practices that are happening on the farm and on the ranch. So this is really an opportunity that the beef checkoff and folks can work on on the behalf of producers and share that story and know exactly how things are done through the BQA program. And Accord says for those of you who may have been certified before, recertification is also important. Remember, the certification only lasts for three years, so it's important to go back, show your commitment, and maybe learn a thing or two that are new that you could uh, apply to your operation. To learn more about becoming certified through the Beef Quality Assurance Program, simply go to bqa.org. Tyron Spearman has an update for peanut farmers concerning various market information of interest. Peanut farmers are busy putting the seed in the ground and getting this crop started right now. Soil temperatures are up and everybody is really getting excited about planting peanuts. USDA says that Alabama will be slightly down this year, about 15% in their acreage to 170,000 acres. Florida is expected to do 150,000 acres 
That is down about 21%. But Georgia is only down 9%, and they expected to plant 730,000 acres. The uh, National Posted price this week, $424.51 per ton for runner-type peanuts. That's the suggested retail price, but the contracts are not that good. Contracts for old crop peanuts, about $365 per ton, those in the loan, plus a return of the shrink, which is about 10 to $12, so it'll push them up to around 375 New crop is also being contracted around 375 Farmers are signing some of those contracts because they're just about guaranteed a warehouse space for their peanuts, and the warehouses, several of them, have lots of peanuts in them. On the loan program, uh, we have placed 2,065,000 tons of peanuts in the loan this year, about the same as last year, but half of those have now been redeemed from the government with their loans being paid back and those peanuts being shelled. But overall, peanuts are moving out of the loan at a good pace. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. And with this week's Georgia Girl Moment, here's Nathan Wilson. Today is Monday, April 25th, the opening day of Vidalia onion season. So for today's Georgia Grown Moment, we speak with Aries Haygood of M&T Farms about his experience with this sweet crop. I went to college for a marketing degree from Georgia Southern University. It's completely different than what you would expect from agriculture. But you know, it's been fun. I've learned a lot with my marketing background. I understand how a lot of that stuff works. You know, the good thing about a Vidalia onion is it's, it's key to be marketed correctly. One thing that consumers ought to know about a Vidalia sweet onion is that when they go to the store, we want them to understand that the farmers are really trying to work hard to ensure that they get a good quality sweet onion and that they know that when they get that onion and it's got a Vidalia name on it, that it's gonna be as good as we could possibly put out for them so that they can experience that consistently every time they go to the store. Remember, you can now find the 2016 crop of sweet Georgia-grown Vidalia onions in a farm market near you. For Georgia Grown, I'm Nathan Wilson. Whether it's just for the day or perhaps an entire week, Kathy Isom tells us this week about some of the best places to send our children to farm camp this summer. Whether it's just for the day or perhaps an entire week, Modern Farmer Magazine ranks the top seven farm camps in this land of ours. In Riverton, Utah, day campers at Peterson Family Farm can care for rabbits and goats, grow vegetables from seed, even take tractor tours. And as a bonus, those attendees can return in the fall to harvest pumpkins they planted in the summer. In Michigan, North Fork Farm and Outback's sleepaway sessions school the junior horsey set in riding, grooming, and calf roping in a recreated Old West Town and Native American village. The Hawthorne Valley Farm in New York engages overnighters and daytime visitors in activities such as milking cows, picking veggies, and assisting with the camp's organic vegetarian meals. Another New York option is the Stone Barns Center for Food and Agriculture, famed as an educational resource for ag-minded adults, connecting the farm-to-table dots for budding activists who will spend their days devoted to livestock tending, crop management, and of course, cooking with the harvest. Northern California's Slide Ranch, located on a 134-acre coastal farm and nature preserve, offers children an opportunity to learn about land stewardship while exploring wildflower fields and tidal pools. This day camp encompasses down-and-dirty farm work, too, such as feeding chickens and pulling weeds. Just outside Washington, D.C., Arcadia Farm shows urban kids where food comes from. Day campers tend to tomatoes and basil in the pizza garden, learning about composting and also collecting eggs. And in Decula, Georgia, the Quintero family of Rancho Allegra Farm crams a lot into each half day. Nursery and elementary schoolers can ride tractors and horses, care for goats, enjoy snacks like cheese-stuffed zucchini blossoms made from ingredients farmed on site. 
Don't delay. Farm camps fill up fast, and summer is right around the corner. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Grinder talks about ostrich farming having possibilities here in the U.S. I'm thinking about going into the livestock business. Not cattle, nor hogs, nor chickens. What's left? Ostriches. I know it sounds ridiculous, and I'm not really considering it, but it might have possibilities. Ostrich meat tastes like beef, and I don't mean flank or flab. It has the flavor of filet mignon. It is practically fat-free and low in cholesterol. And on like other meats, there's an additional income potential, the feathers. Not a market like it once was, but ostrich feathers do have a some market value. It isn't likely to ever happen, but, you know, ostrich farming was once a serious effort in America. In the late 1800s, ostrich feathers sold for $400 a pound. You know what that would be today? Over $9,000. Now, maybe I'm not kidding. That's Ag Review for today. Everett Reiner, Southeast Agnet. Those reports and more can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.